everybody. Welcome to Make Better Photos and Videos. I'm Ross. And I am Gordon. And this is episode number 120. So you see, talent has improved since the last one because Gordon checked and told me what the episode <laughs> number was. So this time we're going to talk about something that's been a little bit uh, definitely foreign to me. Um, not a place that I tend to start with photography or video. But definitely of interest to a huge number of folks who may not yet think about themselves as photographers or videographers. What do you think, Gordon? you think that's probably fair? I think that's a very accurate statement. So, listeners, what do you think we're going to talk about? What could it possibly be? What type of device might we be thinking of? Oh, device. Uh, I was thinking other things, but... Uh, well, that's good. Device-wise, I, I know something that both of us don't know anything about, and that's phone. Uh, iPhone. Oh, yeah. Or smartphone, let's call it. S smartphone. Yes, I. we both own smartphones, but I would May say... May as well. I think it's the only thing you can buy anymore. I'm, again, not hugely expert in it, but I certainly know that when we look at the data... With over 2 billion photographs being made every single day, I can guarantee you that those 2 billion phones are not being made on what we might think of as a traditional camera, an interchangeable lens device, or even a point-and-shoot camera. In fact, the whole point-and-shoot marketplace was basically, well, taken out behind the barn, Timmy, and put down with a shovel by the whole concept of photography, with smartphones. And look, we understand that there are people who say, that's not photography. But what if that's wrong? What if we could use these devices and make some pretty decent photos or videos with them? I, I, I think we fall into the category of those who said, oh, that's not really photography. And I, admit I, I did. think the majority of the people would disagree with us. And I think that they might be right. Certainly the approach is different. The gear is different. But if all those folks are successfully making pictures, if we don't want to go down the road and say, make photograph, there's a lot of folks taking pictures that they're really happy with each and every day. And they're sharing them with friends, with family, with all kinds of people they don't know, through social media, and again, social media, not one of my core competencies, since, you know, being somewhat antisocial, I don't participate in it. What about you? Um, I'm, I'm sort of up there. Um, I'm a private person, and uh, I figure if I'm going to share something with somebody, I'll share it with the person I want to share it with. Not a lot of people I don't otherwise know. Right. But I think that's different for some folks. You know, we look at the success of tools like Instagram or Facebook, and folks are posting there all the time. And the vast majority of content that's being posted is coming from a smartphone type of device. Yes, I'm absolutely in agreement with that. Well, and the data tells us that that's true. So why? What's well, the number I, one reason? I, I think the driving driving force out here is that in days gone by, and not that many days that have gone by, uh, 
if you wanted to take a photograph, you had to go out and buy a device that took photographs and learn how to use this device that took photographs and carry it with you on those occasions when you thought you might want to do this. All that has changed with the advent of the smartphone. And in fact, I, I would go so far as to say smartphone is perhaps a misnomer because I would believe that most people consider it a camera first and a communication device close second. Mm-hmm. Phone per se, probably not. Well, and that's a really interesting insight. And in, in, in some research, uh, I've learned that that's probably true. And there is, there is, in fact, a community that says, you use it as a phone? What are you, old? And yeah, that would be about right. I get it, you know, uh, mostly text, and but a lot of communication using photos and short video clips. And while it's easy enough as, let's call ourselves very serious photographers who put a lot of time money and effort into building skill in this area it doesn't mean that we can't use these tools because there are lots and lots of folks who are being very successful and i think you hit on the major reason why it's always there correct people have always got their we'll say smartphone but i think you're right it's their personal whatever communication device device it is uh you know we'll go back through the old Steve Jobs intro. <laughs> it's an internet communication device. It's a camera. Yeah, we won't Whatever. bother going no, there. That's not a good thing. But as in many things, he was quite prescient. Yes. Uh, in how that worked out. So if this device is serving the needs very successfully of so many folks, for the more serious photographer or videographer who has avoided, shunned, negatively considered the device, what are we missing that all these other people know? And I think one of the big questions that always comes up is, well, the quality is going to be pretty lousy because the sensor is so small. But is it really lousy? Well, I'm, I'm starting to read that it isn't uh, through all kinds of ingenious devices. They have taken a very small sensor, crammed with and not that many um, small pixels or photo cells, um, and somehow have managed to combine them to give the effect of having a bigger sensor. But maybe it would be useful to explain what we mean by uh, a bigger pixel or a smaller pixel or the, uh, the quality of the image we are getting from these various devices and why we think they're different. I think that's probably fair. So for those who are more comfortable with the technology behind what we'll call interchangeable lens cameras, uh, 
one of the most popular chases for people is we used to call the megapixel war. Mm-hmm. How many mega million pixels, photo cells, did a particular sensor have? And there was an illusion that the higher the number, the better the image. And we know, in fact, that that's not necessarily so. We are also concerned about what the surface area of those photocells are, and then what happens behind the scenes. So if we look at a classical digital camera, and let's say that they're 30 million pixels or 30 million photocells, they're going to be spread across a surface area. And so when we start to talk about larger sensors, micro four thirds, crop sensor, full frame, there's still 30 million pixels, but they're spread across a larger area. And that means the surface of air area of each photocell is larger. Inherently, that means better light gathering capability, better low light performance, and the ability to record a fair bit of data. But what changes when we get to smartphones? First off, we're not talking about two megapixel devices or two million photocell devices. The phone that I've got sitting in front of me has 12 million photocells in it, albeit in a very small sensor. Yet when I look at the photographs that I can make with it, I don't look bad at all. And so the question then comes, well, why is that true? If we've been so absorbed with sensor size for so long, and one of the first things that came out in the research is that the smartphone is the place where computational photography started entirely. So what does that mean? Computational photography sounds like there's some compute Mm -hmm. effort being made with the image or images that are captured when we press the, let's call it virtual shutter button because there isn't a physical one. It is simply a trigger that causes a device to record an image. And that computational photography that is taking place in smartphones is not completely dissimilar to the work that gets done in a more traditional camera because they're recording light and then that light gets processed into a file of some kind, um, a RAW file or a JPEG file. If I'm thinking about the iPhone in front of me, it gets processed into a RAW file, or it gets processed into a JPEG file, or as we, if we're in the Apple family, as I think we both are, into a hike, which is a different format, H-E-I-C. It's still a compressed format, but doesn't have near the amount of data loss that a JPEG does. So, pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think that we think about is where do people look at these photographs? Mm-hmm. So if you've got photos on your phone, where do you look at them? On your phone. On your phone. It's pretty common, right? Right. How many times have you seen someone say or said yourself, oh, hang on, let me just show you. And you pull out your phone and you bring up the image that you've captured and it's the size of your phone. Right. And it looks awesome. And like that's really almost a four by six by current uh, current yeah. sizes, but seldom more than that unless you're looking on an iPad. 
Yeah, it's rarely that we're looking at the images that much larger. So in defense of the smartphone, if my use case is to look at it on this relatively small screen, it's freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. But we also find that if we import these into our more traditional photographic editing tools, the computational work that's been done to create these files to fill the missing gaps, to blend, if you will, the tonal variances and some extend the dynamic range. If I pull this up on a 30-inch display, at proper viewing distance, it still looks darn good. Mm -hmm. And in fact, because I've been paid to do it, you can make a 16 by 20 print from an older smartphone. Mm -hmm. uh, the last one I did was from an iPhone 6. Don't even remember, remember what the megapixel rating was, but here's what I do know. Photograph of a gentleman's wife and his daughter made a 16 by 20 print and it hangs on the wall in his office. And he is completely happy. Is at a reasonable viewing distance, it looks great. So we may have been missing, artificially missing. I know I have some of the real benefits that a smartphone can bring us when for the purpose of taking a picture or even making a photograph. Because in preparation, I'd look at what I can do with this smartphone, and frankly, I'm pretty much amazed. I'd never really looked at it before. Right. Have you done the same thing? I, I have. Um, partly because I've been with the camera club for some time now, and the phones in that period of time have advanced so much that uh, when we started, we tended to not pay much attention to it, and we have continued to pay not pay much attention. But I think it's gone up. The science behind this thing has changed so drastically in the last five, six, seven years that I think there's no comparison with what we are seeing now with what there was before. I concur completely. You know, the other thing that I found really interesting as we talk about this in the context of the more serious photographer, nobody ever asks what smartphone or lens or focal length was used <laughs> for these really decent photographs. But right. we get in a room with serious photographers. Oh, what sensor was that? What focal length? What aperture? Right. What ISO? And you know, in talking to people who live by their smartphone, they neither know or do they care. Right. That's... Because they're really happy with the results. And maybe for us as let's call us those more serious photographers the ship sailed and we missed it yes in terms of the ease of use the sheer joy the pleasure the functionality so i thought back because i have tenure on the planet to when i started doing photography i was shooting on film 35 mil 120 roll film, sheet film, 4x5, up to 8x10. But I was still not in the majority. Mm. The majority were using 110 cameras or 126 cameras. Right. 
or 127 cameras. Yeah, I said 127. Look it up. <laughs> they didn't care either. Because they were getting the pictures that they sure. wanted. You know, and what were they doing with those devices? Well, you made no- some notes in preparation for this. What were they taking pictures of? Everyday stuff. Everyday stuff. Family. Kids, family. Friends. Get-togethers. Holidays. Yep. You know, I can recall being a younger person working in a camera store that had a huge photo finishing business. And, you know, we saw a lot of film coming in every day. Hundreds and hundreds of, we would call them rolls, but they weren't all rolls. A lot of them were 110 or 126 cartridges. For a short time, the disc camera... And that had a micro-negative, and it wasn't actually very good at all. But people liked it because it worked. Right. And and none of those cameras came anywhere near the quality that we would have gotten out of the smartphone of 10 years ago, let alone what we can get today. So I think that the demand for something that is fast, that's simple, that takes up no space, that doesn't require you know, 50 pounds of gear to use for those general purpose photographs still has a lot of a lot of value to those outside the traditional photographic customer. Even among the people uh, in the photographic community, let's call it, I have watched uh, a number of videos by... Photographers, uh, they're not out to sell anything, they're not out to teach you anything, they just are demonstrating the, how they went out and photographed something. But one in particular, um, she made the comment that even though she was shooting with a large lens or a macro lens, uh, doing garden stuff and photographing the flora and the fauna and the flowers. And at every session, she would bring out her cell phone. And in addition to everything else that she was doing, she would photograph it with a cell phone. She never said why. I haven't found out why. But its I think it's gone beyond just either or. Many are doing both. So it's become ant. I think so, yes. I think you're right. I think of um, a great lady that I've had opportunity to meet on a number of occasions. Uh, her name is Julianne Cost. Yes. Uh, and she's, uh, I think they call her an evangelist. I don't know what the title is, uh, but she works for Adobe. Yes. Um, she's, one of their, she's one of their greatest trainers. She's a terrific presenter. And she's done a series of publications called Window Seat. Okay. And in her job, she travels a lot. I guess she prefers the window seat on airplanes. And she's published these books of amazing images shot through the window of an airplane using only a smartphone. Hmm. So vision, seeing, eye mattered more than the technology or the tool that she was using. And I think that's true for a lot of folks. You're right. There's a great opportunity for us as photographers, per se, or videographers. We might be able to get exactly what we need 
with the smartphone. But what if we were to take the knowledge that we've built as photographers and videographers and leverage that with the tool that's always with us? Um, and that, I think that's a point well taken because the, one of the articles I, I read, it was presented as 10 fabulous tips on taking photogra- excellent photographs with your cell phone. And I read it, and as I'm reading it, I'm saying, well, that's all well and good, but you're talking about stuff that we've talked about for years. This is not specific to a cell phone. This is specific to a good photograph. And the same principles that apply there will apply here. You go around shaking your hand, and I have some people walking around with this phone in front of them just photographing macro on the fly. And uh no, you're not going to get a good photograph. But if you apply the principles, then it doesn't matter what's in your hand. Yeah, I think I think you've hit on the really important thing here. It's application of the more that you choose to apply technique and skill that you build, the the capture tool becomes less important. Mm-hmm. And again, in the context of what are you going to do with it? Yes. You know, as a as a fine art printer, I'm constantly doing presentations and consultations on, well, how do I print? How do I learn to print? But the volume of people who print, it's tiny. It is sub-single percentage points of photographers. Mm-hmm. Prints aren't as relevant as they once were because the digital representation is always available. It's easily shared. One of the benefits of the smartphone, and you and I have seen it, we'd be out there photographing with, you know, our usual collection of kit and <coughs> tripods and all manner of stuff. And someone will walk up beside us and go, hey, that's a really nice scene, click. And before we've done anything, they've now shared it with 100,000 people or a million people or, right. or one person by sharing immediately electronically, posting it to social media, or just emailing it around. Right. The transmission and sharing of images is so simple and so effective. And it's one of those areas where the interchangeable lens camera manufacturers have really, really faltered. Yes, they've dropped the ball on that one. You know, their ability to connect to networks or, you know, do simple transmission is brutally bad and there's even now many many years in i think there's only a couple of manufacturers who've got the connectivity between camera and oh wait smartphone (laughs) to the point where they're using the smartphone as a bridge to get the images off the camera and get them out so people can see them and it's more than just stills you know as a trainer, how many times have I done presentations or taught classes on how to shoot video with your interchangeable lens camera? And the vast, the reality is every manufacturer builds all kinds of video functions into their interchangeable lens cameras and very, 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 very few, less than 5% ever even try it. Yep. Yet smartphone users shoot video all day long. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a very telling point. I mean, we were talking about still images, but that's... 
I would say that video might even be more frequently used than still images. And you may be right. I don't have the data. I, I don't, don't have I data. don't have data to support it, but I believe it. You know, I think about what happened in news gathering organizations. You know, when photographers and videographers lost their jobs because there was so much content being created and generated by, let's call them regular folks, right. out there in the field using nothing but a smartphone. And we all had to get used to in the video concept that vertical video was not a sin. You could just hold your phone up and shoot video and okay, yeah, it's going to have some borders on it when it's played back on a television, but you weren't going to go to prison for it. And some of those tips and tricks that you talked about is just, okay, turn it so it's angled the same way your TV screen would be. Mm-hmm. Shoot the video horizontally. It might, you might find that it works out better when you're sharing it. Or don't. It works either way. You know, I think some of the other challenges that we've seen is um, the more traditional photographers, you know, like, oh, well, how do I avoid camera shake? How do I avoid all that stuff? Well, first thing, these things are really light. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get the same kind of muscle fatigue. But also, we can take the same approaches that we use with our traditional cameras to use with our smartphones. Pull the elbows in tight. Don't hold the thing out at arm's length because it's going to wobble more. Your point. Leverage the skills and the best practices that we built for traditional cameras, apply them to our smartphones, and we're going to get better photos and videos made with our smartphones. What do you think? Uh, yes, I think that's uh, that's all true. But one thing I did notice when I was... I started using the phone just to give myself a background of what I was talking about, is that the phone's ergonomically are set up to function in the portrait or vertical format. They are. I concur. You turn them on their side and suddenly your finger is in front of the lens. You can't uh, reach the triggering functions as easily. Uh, You can't reach the adjustment icons or whatever you want to call them as, as easily so it, it really does seem like it's there set up to work better in the upright position and I think that that's an ergonomic area that manufacturers are starting to work on and it's all in software because we're talking about a touchscreen device correct there's no physical buttons correct required in general anymore um, but I do note that the software is also getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about smartphones that I've had generations ago compared to what I did just today in preparation for the episode. I had to look a little bit because it's not a tool I use regularly, but getting access to the ISO gain control, mm-hmm. getting access to the aperture was a lot easier. Mm-hmm. My particular phone has three lens options on it. And, you know, we'll call that kind of, if I equate this to the traditional 35 mil camera, right? Uh, I've got a 50 mil lens. Yep. I've got a 150 mil lens. Right. And uh, actually it's a 120 and I've got a, you know, like a 24 mil lens. Right. 
all in this really small package. And if I just think a little bit about how I hold it, I can use it very effectively. I concur it's easier to use it vertically, but it's not that hard to use it, you know, in, in what we'll call the landscape mode. Sure. Horizontally. And I don't need anything else. Like I don't need frames and carriers and all kinds of other stuff for it. That makes it very convenient. Yep. You and I have both talked, you know, in, in past considerations about stabilization and how do I hold things smoothly, particularly for video. And one of the challenges we know with about video with a classical or traditional camera, camera shakes are a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our video has to be tripod mounted. Yes. Unless we go out and we spend a thousand bucks on a stabilization device. None of them are all that great until you spend a lot of money. And then it's a skill to learn to use it and they're tiring. Yes. You know, I've, I've got a stabilizer for my video camera which is brilliant. It came from DJI, but it was well over $1,000, and I can't hold that for hours. I can't hold it for minutes. And that's okay, because clips tend to be short, but if I was doing something longer form, it's exhausting. Whereas my smartphone is so light, I could do something longer form. And if I had to do movement... And I know this because I bought one. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. I bought it at Walmart because that was the cheapest place. <laughs> I clip my phone into it, and it's a full three-dimensional stabilization rig. And I can do better v- moving video in 4K mm-hmm. for the cost of my phone. And we know these phones aren't cheap. Yep. But... They're not $5,000. And this little rig that literally cost me, I think, $129. It's a DJI product. And I got this beautiful, smooth, full motion video while I'm walking or, okay, I'm not running, but if I was riding, yep, you know, hold it up with one hand, it's a really really impressive way to get really great looking video i think i think that's a that's a a a telling point and we mentioned that the dslrs and the mirrorless uh, cameras have fallen down on this in terms of the ease of implementing video now certainly the one that i have which is uh, i shoot olympus uh, going from still to video is not a hardship. Uh, it's a, it's a one-button system, and uh, that's all that's required. But pretty much from everything else that I've seen, switching to video becomes a major chore. You have to set frame rates and ISOs and focus points. and You say, the hell with this. I'm going to pull the phone out of my pocket and take a video. And I think, you're, I think a lot of folks feel that way. You know, because we, we both know that DSLR video, autofocus is, it's really a train wreck. It's horrible. Yep. Mirrorless video is a lot better yep. because we're always reading off the sensor. And that's one of the advantages that mirrorless cameras will have over traditional DSLRs is that 
they're better at video. That's just a fact. You know, we can say, well, no, I don't believe it. Okay, don't believe it. Doesn't matter. It's reality. And as we start to see more and more folks move to mirrorless, maybe they'll start doing more video, but maybe they won't. Because I look at those video menus and I think of, a, of cameras that I've used on professional shoots, like the Sony A7 family. It's a terrific video camera. Mm-hmm. You know, I did sequences for, for television that ended up on Amazon in the UK. Whole sequences shot on a Sony A7R2. Right. Great video. But the menus are terrifying. And I'm not criticizing Sony because they've done such a great job and they're really good at video. But boy, you know, that's got one of those big signs on it that said, here be dragons, <laughs> you know, or abandon all hope ye who enter here. It's really complicated, whereas you can pick up literally any smartphone, point it, choose video, and hit go. And it's going to work out. And folks will say, yeah, but the audio is not good. The audio is not good with a DSLR or a mirrorless camera unless you have a second audio rig anyway. Right. So I can't say that that's a credible argument against it. Plus, there's more that these cameras, these smartphone cameras, still or video, they got a ton of stuff that's built in that is extra and ancillary when we look at our traditional cameras. And you mentioned this, like, some of the things that you were talking about earlier. What are some of the things that we get with these cameras built right in that we would otherwise have to pay for or do after the fact or buy software for? That's pretty much everything. So give me some examples. Well, uh, again, I was uh, looking at uh, playing playing with the buttons, just so to speak, and you you can change the aspect ratios of your of the photos you want to take if you want to dig deep enough to find out how to do it. Uh, you can change it into a size that will fit on your television. You can um, uh, adjust the area of the photograph that's going to be in focus and out of focus. You can... Uh, change the color basically of the image you can make it colder cooler or warmer or age it to do everything that's change the contrast change the lightning change, change the brightness take out the shadows you can do pretty much everything that you would have to pay a subscription for on a monthly basis and spend hours of frustration learning how to do and this is all built right into the camera and you move a slider one way or the other i have to agree with you 100 percent. i was thinking about you know because we talk a lot about are we shooting jpeg are we shooting raw in our traditional cameras and for many of us we shoot raw because we're prepared and we're willing and actually interested in doing a lot of post-processing work but there's a whole bunch of folks who are not interested at all They want to push a button and get a really nice look so they can get on with the next thing. And I got to say, because I did a comparison between a Canon DSLR camera that shoots capable JPEGs, but man, if I want that sepia look 
or if I wanted to, if I just picked the darn thing up and I wanted to figure out how to change the exposure or change the white balance, it's not nearly as easy as it is to do on the smartphone. Yep. There's a little icon on the screen. You tap it, you drag your finger across the slider, and you see right then and there <laughs> exactly what's going to happen. And I know on my phone, you know, like, okay, so if I'm going out and I'm shooting seriously, I might want to go my, up to minus five or plus five as part of a stack of images. Okay, my smartphone only goes my plus or minus two. I am the outlier. Right. <laughs> Most folks are, this is going to be all they need. They go out, they say, hey, that's a pretty image. Oh, the sky's a little bright. Now it's not. Click, move on. <laughs> uh, it is so much, so much quicker. And you talked about, for example, not just the ability to modify the image right there in the camera. You can also do the same thing with video. Yes. Like I know as a videographer, shooting, you know, there's a Canon C100 on a tripod near us. If I'm going to shoot with the intent for slow motion, that's a very planful process. Right. On my smartphone. And I had never done it before. I discovered it's so easy, it's terrifying. Okay, the cat is doing something <laughs> dumb. I'll tap the slow-mo button and shoot and it's done. Yep. And now I see the cat doing something dumb in slow motion. And it's it's funny, it's easy. I share it with my wife and project done. Yep. You know, it's really it's it's so simple. And then I I talked about this with my daughter who is far more smartphone camera astute than I am. And she said, well, you know how you've got all those extra lenses and that's one of your, you see as your real advantages. I said, well, yeah, I, I do. I agree. And she said, okay, well, let me show you these things. And I don't even remember the manufacturer, uh, but it's a frame that clipped to the front of her camera that she leaves on. And then these other, these extender lenses attached by magnets. Right. And she can go big telephoto and she can go ultra wide. And the whole thing fits in her pocket. Right. Okay. I'm probably not going to be doing cinemascope with this stuff. <laughs> but I'm also not, in my regular video or stills, I'm not presenting on a movie screen. Yep. At the best, I'm watching it on a television screen from a reasonable viewing distance. She does some amazing stuff. In fact, her her own channel, uh, which is on, you know, she's got one on makeup and one on tattoos and more stuff than I care to think about. She's doing it all with the smartphone. Right. In fact, I had bought her a video camera because she said she needed one that is now doing a superb job holding down the corner of a bottom of a drawer because the smartphone does as good, if not a better job. And when we consider where they're used, it comes back to the use case. And I think, you know, you said it, 99% of this stuff is only going to be displayed on another smart device. Yep. 
be it a phone or an eye, uh, like a tablet type of device, even rarely on a computer. In fact, the number one question we get um, on the Kelby One community about smartphone is, how do I get the pictures onto my computer? They've got the photos. They've got the videos. The challenge that these folks have is they're perfect where they are. How do I get them onto this harder-to-use, ostensibly more powerful technology? Right. You know, it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, you said something that I thought was was very telling. The device most likely to be chosen is the one that is most convenient. Yep. Take us through the thought process behind that. Uh, when I when I said that, I I thought uh, I was thinking not so much. Well, uh, both both aspects of it. Uh, if you to divulge, uh, not div- uh, diverge, I I did buy uh, my my kids a a camera, of a reasonable quality, and uh, they took them on a couple of vacations and never used. Smartphones came out, and uh, that was that was the end of that. So, if you have to carry the camera, if you have to remember to take it where you're going, chances are you're not going to. So, in terms of most convenient, well, the phone is in your pocket. You know what it will do. It's very easy to do it. That's what you're going to use. And if you have to watch something, if you have to go through the process of, oh, wait, let me go get my camera, let me go get my uh, monitor out and uh, I'll, I'll just put these images up here and I'll get my memory stick and plug it into the back. Eh, eh, not going to work. So I'm going to hold up my cell phone. Oh, wait. I'm in the Apple community. It's on my iPad as well. It's a bigger screen. Take a look at it out there. And yeah, that's what they're going to use. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's right. You know, years ago, we would hear this phrase the best camera is the one that you have with you. But the connotation of best meant something different than I think what we're talking about today. Today, the best camera is the one that you have with you. Yes. Because you're most inclined to use it. Mm -hmm. And you're most inclined to capture an image. And, you know, if we take that beyond selfies and pictures of my lunch, I can make some pretty decent images just by applying a tiny bit of skill that I've learned as a photographer and as a videographer to this super portable, super easy to use tool. Mm-hmm. And the greatest challenge that I ran into is that my iPhone is set to shoot in the HEIC format and I needed to display that on a Windows box. Well, that was the hardest thing I've had to deal with. <laughs> figuring out how to get Windows to recognize HEIC. Now, I'm not a Windows user. I'm a Mac user, as as you are. So maybe it's super simple. But if that's the hardest thing, I don't have a problem. I can make some pretty darn good stuff with this smartphone, and it is convenient. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I noticed, I could be in a 
busy, crowded area, and I can pull out the smartphone and start making pictures. If I do the same thing with a big camera, oh boy. Well, I, I, I did get uh, thrown out of a uh, Hindu temple at one point uh, for just that reason. Uh, they said no photography. There were signs up all over the place. I inquired at the front desk and they said, well, you can photograph the front and the two sides, but you can't photograph the back. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I trundled off and I got my camera and I came out and I was immediately surrounded by a dozen security guards. And they said, we've got signs up. And I said, well, I asked. They said, no, that implies to you can take photographs with your cell phone, but not with what they referred to as an event camera. And there's no point in getting into a discussion with them about, no. well, you know, this little phone in my camp pocket here. No, you're not going to win that logic argument. No, you can't. But the fact is, if I that little phone in my pocket now will take, for most intents and purposes, anything as good as what I would have got with my big event camera. For and your- I've got no hassle out of it whatsoever. No hassle, no hassle whatsoever. And I've seen the same thing. No lenses longer than X. It can't be a professional-looking camera. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I think about you know those clip-on lenses that my daughter has, <laughs> and okay, I could show up at an event and have the photographic equivalent of a 400 millimeter lens on a DSLR in my pocket and nobody (laughs) would care. Right. And yes, they're going to be folks, well, it's a small sensor and there's computational stuff that goes into it. Hey, I hear you, but it doesn't matter. Correct. Did I get the result that I'm happy with? I did. So I think as we, you know, I think as you've illustrated in your whole concept of have it with you, Use the tool. For those who've been living on smartphones for years, for photography and video, they got it right. Yep. For the rest of us... We got some catching up to do. We got some catching up to do. Thanks, Gordon. An area that neither of us... When we first talked about it, we both went, I don't know anything about this. And yet we've learned a lot as part of the research for this and looking, doing some basic research. And I'm data. also seeing a change in our, in our outlook and maybe our attitudes uh, mm-hmm. as a result of this. Definitely, I, f- I feel differently about it. You know, if I'm doing work for compensation and that I know is going to result in a really big print, yeah, I'm probably going to use a different camera. But maybe not. I'm just doing it for curiosity's sake or because I've been driving along and I see something that's interesting. I may just pull out the smartphone and not worry about going back with right. a good camera. Yep. Thanks, guys. We hope you that you've um, got some thinking mm-hmm. or maybe you opened your eyes or, or not uh, out of this episode. because yeah, some may be sitting there and saying, we told you so. Yeah, and others may be saying, no, it's still crap. (laughs) And no matter what you think, you're right. So thanks very much for listening, and 
We'll talk to you soon. I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. Thanks for listening. Take care.